Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And I'm pleased to welcome this week our guest, Shlomo Zucker, uh, who is a research fellow at the Notre Dame Center for Philosophy of Religion. He's also a founder of the Lehrer House, a YU Musmach, and completed his PhD in Judaic Studies at Yale University, and has most, most recently... I uh, authored a article in Mosaic magazine that people should definitely read called The End of the Orthodox Voting Block. And I got to tell you, for guys like me who are out there and have made somewhat of a career on courting Orthodox voting blocks, I can't say I found this very – I can say I found this very interesting. I could also say somewhat I found that a little bit dismaying. So Shlomo is here to tell me why in the future guys like me will no longer have jobs in politics. Shlomo, welcome to Spin Class. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you, Michael, uh, for the introduction. It's good to be here with you. And I highly doubt uh, that Stad uh, Lunen will be out of jobs anytime soon. But I, I do think we need to be honest about uh, about the communal trends, uh, and especially in this case, in terms of in terms of the Haredi community, that at least some communities, let's say especially yeshivish communities, where uh, they're used, you know, where a vod might be able to garner a high percentage of the vote, uh, we're now at the point where they can get some fraction of that. But more and more, Haredi voters are voting their own conscience and uh, less, uh, less tied to what the leaders say and whatever uh, whatever arrangements and deals uh, can be set up. So that's, that's what I argue in the piece. Well, let's actually take a step back into history since you, of course, are a professor and it's good to really talk about, you know, the history. You, you talk about the term Stadlin and, you know, I, I, the audience, of course, that we have is primarily Orthodox Jewish, but there might be some people out there who don't know what the history of the Stadlin is. And it's a term from Europe, of course. What is the modern day Stadlin in your, uh, in your studies uh, come to be? You know, it, what does that mean in 21st century America? Sure. So th- there's no great term for it, which is why we, we end up using the Yiddish. But the, the word Stadlan is an intercessor or someone who takes, uh, uh, you know, the, who works on behalf of the community to work with uh, the government and align their interests in various ways. So today you might call that a fixer. Um, you might call that uh, someone who's politically connected. Um, uh, you might even call it the political leadership. Uh, not Not that they're elected necessarily, but that they they, uh, they, they, they organize, you call them political organizers, they have people who will, uh, who will work with them and, uh, and follow their lead in working with the elected politicians. Okay, and in theory, people in the community would rely on this Stadlin or this group of people who are more politically connected for direction on come election day or election days, election weeks these days, uh, you know, thanks to early voting and, and the like. But people will rely on some of these Stadlinim to tell them how to vote or what the, what the community picks might be, although you are positing that the community picks are not quite, don't quite have the same weight as they used to. Right, for sure. So the, your average person, uh, it's a lot of work to be up on every election and know who to vote for, uh, number one. And number two, votes are a lot more powerful when they come as a block. You know, everyone, individual vote, everyone will go their own direction. They sort of cancel out. If you have a block vote, that can, that can be very powerful and, and politicians will really court that. So from a pragmatic point of view, um, you might say in some ways the most efficient approach is to have 
basically someone represent the community, tell them who's good for the community, and figure that out. Work with the politicians to figure out who the best political option is, and then just communicate that to the to the people and have them vote. And uh, that's uh, certainly has been uh, within a democratic system, sort of a modern updating of Stadlanus instead of um, you know making a backroom deal with the with the uh, governor of the area. You can you can make uh, figure out what the policies are and and. Uh, uh, essentially get your community on board to vote. But yeah, I am positing that, that, that the numbers, the degree of that has, has decreased. And I think we see that actually in our, our recent election just last week. Well, tell us, uh, you open with two anecdotes, I guess. Uh, well, one anecdote specifically with regard to Lakewood, right? So Lakewood has enough votes essentially to sway the gubernatorial election uh, for uh, – of the state of New Jersey. They certainly have enough votes to sway the elections of uh, local officials, congressmen, etc. Uh, Ocean County, where Lakewood is found, is a Republican powerhouse of the state. And uh, and the Lakewood VOD, I guess, of the 11 people who make up, I, th- I think it's currently still 11 people, that they'll make up the Lakewood VOD, have traditionally played that role of Stadlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... You know, the, whether whether Lakewood can flip the vote or not depends on how close the vote is otherwise. So I think um, early on, before all the votes were in, it looked like it would be a lot closer than it was. And uh, some people, actually Dave Wasserman, a uh, Beltway analyst, a political analyst, said he thought maybe the VOD would have made a difference. By by now, there's a, you know, almost a, a percent and a half a difference between uh, between Murphy and, and Citarelli. So it probably won't have made that difference in the end, but at least there's the possibility of that. Um, and you know, Lakewood's is uh, the second fastest growing city in New Jersey. It's the fifth largest city in New Jersey. You don't necessarily think about that. It didn't used to be that that uh, that, that uh, level. And when we talk about Lakewood, there's the township of Lakewood, and then there's surrounding areas with uh, you know with with uh, uh, Orthodox Jews who often you know at least could be seen as part of that block theoretically. Um, so yeah, Lakewood does does pack a real punch um, if it can be wielded. As a, as a political block, right? Of course, if, if all of Lakewood votes and it's 50-50, that has zero impact on the election. But if you can get some sort of push in one direction or the other, that could actually be powerful. And, and that's the role, as, as you said, Michael, that the, the Lakewood VOD uh, or council, sort of uh, religious council, uh, you might translate that, uh, that they've played in, in previous elections. They'll endorse a candidate, certainly for the local elections, but even for an election as broad-based as, uh, as the New Jersey gubernatorial election, um, they make endorsements, and that, at least in theory, uh, can, can, uh, can make a real difference. Usually uh, presidential elections, they don't get involved. It's, you know, New Jersey is going to go Democrat just about every time. Um, but uh, yeah, so this, in this election, interestingly enough, the VOD endorsed Murphy, the Democrat, the incumbent, who had supported the yeshiva in a variety of ways, um, both in terms of funding for educational initiatives there, uh, the you know BMG, uh, the uh, the main central yeshiva in in Lakewood, and also in terms of COVID policies, uh, worked with the community instead of against them, and that that was very much appreciated. And he was endorsed by the VOD. And uh, yet, when you look at the actual results of the election, uh, Murphy only got 38% in. Lakewood. So there's two ways of reading that. You can say, well, you know, the VOD utterly failed and made no impact at all. Alternatively, you can say, well, he got 38%, but had the VOD not endorsed him, maybe he would have done a lot worse because, you know, just last year in the presidential election, um, 83% 
voted uh, for Trump and only 17% for Biden. So if if Lakewood is just fundamentally a very red area, maybe there was a push of a few thousand votes in the direction of Murphy. But either way you take that, we're only talking about a fraction of the electorate. We're not talking about a block vote. The VOD can't say, well, you know, you all, you all like the Republican candidates, but we're just going to tell you that the Democratic candidate is better for for uh, our community and everyone will vote. That doesn't doesn't work that way. At best, we're talking about uh, maybe a fifth of, of the electorate. Well, you would also, one could argue that the, you sometimes can give just enough votes to somebody to make them successful. And remember, any vote goes for one, goes to one candidate of, of a person who is a certain voter is a vote actually kind of counts twice, right? It's also subtracted from the other side. Flipping votes is actually doubly valuable mm-hmm. in, in, in that way. But um, the interesting thing as well, of course, and yes, there is a there is a gubernatorial election versus a presidential election. And the the as you said, there's less at stake from a presidential election than there is for a local for a gubernatorial election in theory for the state, because there there wasn't really uh, Joe Biden ended up winning New Jersey by 16 points, despite all the votes in Lakewood. One. But the turnout in Lakewood was depressed uh, quite significantly, and I think that that in this year's, in this year's election, election, despite the fact yeah. that you know Phil Murphy uh, also on local issues and his AG were very active, particularly on discrimination issues in Jackson and in Tom's River mm-hmm. and some of these areas that tried to keep Jews out. They actually the, the Attorney General's office in Jackson, in particular, I believe, filed lawsuits on behalf of the Orthodox community. So I think that there was. It's interesting that people didn't feel that nece- the necessity to come out and vote in some of these issues. Now, of course, Citarelli courted the Orthodox community heavily as well. Both candidates did. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so yeah, so it's interesting how both courted the Orthodox community. And one episode that I think is really fascinating um, is Citarelli uh, actually visited uh, BMG, the large yeshiva, and uh, apparently was unsanctioned by the leadership of the yeshiva, presumably because they were pro-Murphy, and uh, three of the Lakewood Rush Yeshiva put out this statement saying that it's a, a desecration of God's name to have politicians just uh, running through. So it was interesting, got a little heated um, in, in that context. But I think, I think what you're pointing to, the low turnout, this is one of the differences, uh, aside from what I see as the decreased impact of, uh, of a, uh, a VOD or a religious uh, you know, a communal leadership endorsement. There's also the turnout is also a major, a major factor, as you said. And compare um, a yeshivish community like Lakewood with some of the Hasidish communities in, um, let's say, more so in in the Muncie area and, and north of there, um, where you can, where uh, you know, in some in some Hasidic enclaves, the the rebbe or the the handlers of the rebbe say, we are going to vote for so and so, and then everyone goes and votes because it's you know, the Rebbe said to do it. So, of course, you do it. You don't have anything approaching that in Lakewood. Again, neither on on getting getting out the vote in the first place, nor on uh, on heeding the specific wishes of a religious leader. Um, so, I, yeah, and, and I think there's, you know, the, there, there are clear implications in terms of, um, you know, what degree of political power the organized uh, Haredi communities have, uh, right? It certainly seems to decrease the power. But I think there's also uh, sort of a positive angle here as well, um, which, uh, which is that really seems that um, this this shows this this reflects um, that uh, that Haredi 
voters see themselves as engaged in American civic life as real Americans in the sense, meaning it's not just I'm, I'm a, a Lakewood Yid and I'll do what uh, the Rabbanim want. Again, that may be true in many other areas, but at least in terms of voting for many people, they'll say, look, I, I'm an American citizen. I care about the same issues or many of the same issues as everyone else. I think that uh, Republicans, it, generally that's how this goes, uh, fit better with, with uh, my values uh, you know, as a, as a from Jew. And that's why I'm going to vote Republican, even regardless of whatever other uh, you know, communal benefits there may be to uh, voting for, for the, the Democrat. So I think it, it's interesting to see, um, on the one hand, maybe some decrease in power, at the same time, an increase in civic engagement, which I guess people can disagree on, you know, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but certainly there's an argument to be made that, uh, that there's something positive there. I think politics as a sport uh, or as a spectator sport has definitely increased amongst uh, the from Jews uh, since since my career started in politics. Uh, I will longer ago than I'd care to admit publicly right now, but uh, but I, I, there's no question about it. Look, the the advent of social media and the readiness that people can uh, pick up uh, Twitter and WhatsApp and air and in ways that you don't even need a computer at home, which uh, many people don't, mm-hmm. has caused so many people within the Haredi community to be much, much more engaged in in politics. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I think what we haven't gotten to Brooklyn yet, and I want to get there because I think what you saw there was uh, not just and Southern Brooklyn, particularly with the city council seat. And I, I'll leave Curtis Lee one aside because I don't think many people really thought that that was a real race. I don't think many people actually thought Curtis Lee was going to win. There may have been a lot of protest in voting for Curtis Lee versus Eric Adams uh, because I do think the community by and large, uh, but you know, maybe that maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, that that's my theory. But as with regard to the city council race to replace Chaim Deutsch, where Ina Vernikov, the Republican, defeated. Steve Saperstein, who was endorsed by the Jewish establishment across the board, uh, she absolutely blew mm-hmm. him away. I mean, totally blew him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I thought that race was going to be close. I thought Ina Vernikov was going to win. I think I said it here on the show a couple weeks ago. But she blew she blew him out. And I, you know, that was definitely an embarrassment to certain Shtadlanim who really went uh, very far. I, you know, I'm not going to name the people specifically, but to certain Shtadlanim uh, in the establishment who were supporting Saperstein. For sure. And, and this is a case where there basically was no real difference between the candidates in terms of policy, in terms of their history. Both of them had flip-flop Democrat, Republican. Right. Basically, the only difference Steve Saperstein ran as a Republican next- in 2017 for the same seat, the same district. So, yeah. Right, right. So the only difference was, are you a Democrat and then you're going to play ball in city council, which is overwhelmingly a de- Democrat and actually have some influence? Or are you a Republican where you'll be on the outside? So, you know, the Stad London made the correct, calculated political decision that being on the inside is is more effective. But um, but the people didn't listen because I think, you know, the 40th district has become uh, overwhelmingly a Republican district and they're just going to vote for the Republican candidate. It's not a matter of policies. It's not a matter of certainly not a matter of, of what who's who's endorsed by the uh, religious leadership or, or communal leadership at this point. Um, and yeah, and I think that 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 really uh, uh, brings this point home as well. I do think the mayoral election is, is similar, even if even if it was lower stakes, you know, if it doesn't really matter. So why would you go one way over the other? Again, people want to vote for the for the Republican, even though uh, Sliwa was a losing cause and also had had some fairly uh, strong statements against uh, educational institutions in the Orthodox community. You might have thought that would rule him out. 
but and yet he won the majority in uh, in the 48th district. So yeah, I think that really demonstrates this point uh, as well. And I think you know we don't have you know you'd have to really go to a detailed level in every community. You can you can do the micro study, and I think some. You know, uh, some in some religious leadership has more influence than others, but I, I do think that overall, especially in the uh, in the yeshivish, litvish, non-Hasidic, uh, Haredi communities, the the move is uh, is towards people voting their conscience, and that conscience overwhelmingly being a Republican. Right. So I I, I think that that is uh, it. Said good segue to our next question. I think from an academic perspective, I, I I'd love to hear your take on that trend, right? The the religious trend of Jews uh, in the Orthodox community kind of voting more like evangelicals, like evangelical Christians. And I think, or religious Catholics, I guess, to put it in Notre Dame context for you. Uh, what, what, you know, tell us how, you know, that was not the case 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Um, and now by and large, it's kind of this evangelical enclave within within urban areas. Uh, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I think. Well, so it's a little tricky to disentangle this from the previous point. Meaning, it could be that this that there weren't uh, overwhelmingly Republican votes just because people were voting based on local interests and not because people were ideological Democrats. So I think it's hard to disentangle. But yeah, I think there has been overall, certainly in America overall, there's been a consolidation of the evangelical or you know uh, more traditional religious groups, however you want to put it. Um, uh, to to voting Republican, and this largely has coalesced around a variety of wedge issues. Um, you know whether that's abortion or gay marriage or whatnot. In in Lakewood, actually, in the two thousand nine election, gay marriage was 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 that was the first case where the VOD really was voted against, and it was it was the issue of gay marriage where that caused people to vote uh, Christie over Corzine. Um, so I think these wedge issues, and 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 I think. You know, uh, the party knows what it's doing by leaning on these wedge issues and trying to court these groups. And I think Israel also uh, has has become more of a wedge issue, I think, which is troubling. I think you want to see support on both sides. Um, but I, I, yeah, that's that's the trend overall. Again, it's hard to disentangle in the in the Jewish uh, or Haredi context from the Shtadlanus issue. But I, I think that is, you know, between these two factors, um, that's where we've ended up. There's, you know, there's some who have critiqued this, um, you know, especially the people, you know, the argument was made when uh, Clinton was up for re-election that, you know, if someone's a maneuver, someone's not comporting themselves the way a leader should comport themselves and has a lot of scandals around them, uh, maybe that shouldn't be the person that religious people vote for. That was certainly the view of many uh, Orthodox Jews in the 90s. And it seems like uh, that view has somehow faded in the 2016 and 2020 elections. There was a lot less worry about that in the context of Trump. So it gives you something to think about. Um, and uh, again, it makes you wonder, are the values uh, leading to who, who, which party one votes for, or does the party tell you which religious values to have? There is some feedback mechanism, and I think it's worth everyone on, on all sides to think uh, long and hard. You know, really, what are, the, what are the religious Jewish values? Do they overlap with political values of one party or the other? Uh, and just to make sure that uh, you're being true to your to your religious values and not letting them be determined by the political ones. And to what extent would you call uh, the the well some of the circular reinforcement or groupthink, for example, which can be an issue with uh, with regard to your know, relig- religious groups, 
Um, you know, to what extent does that play into it? Of I know everybody I know is voting for this way. Everyone I know is voting this way. So therefore, that reinforces it for me as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I think some communities have, you know, have a culture. Well, different communities will have different cultures. And I don't just mean religious communities. Some communities, you know, the expectation is conformity. And in some, there's more uh, variation among uh, among everything. So I, I would say in, in religious communities where the expectation is everyone follows halacha, everyone follows religious law, it's sort of easier to end up in a place where you know, everyone votes for the same party just because your life overall is uh, is a lot more about following a set of of activities. And you know, other cultures may have be more open to debate or to variety, and then they could they could go in different directions. Um, so yeah, I think that that is a factor. Um, although, yeah, I, I don't know. I think if you came up with the right situation, um, you know, where you you really you could you could come up with some scenarios where. Really, there's reason to go in, in different ways, and people have to choose. I think the the let's say the the uh, the Corzine uh, the Corzine Christie election was just was was such an example. Again, like you know, the the well-being of your community versus uh, certain values that are at stake. Which way do you go? And I think it was a real question for people, and, and that's why the vote was really. Uh, was really split in Lakewood. So, yeah, I think I think uh, it's it really depends on a case by case basis. But yeah, certain communities that that are more conformist by nature, uh, at least on certain things, that you you know it may be possible to pull that in the direction of uh, having political conformity as well. Okay, so we we have time for a two second last question. Sure. Okay. Sure. Do you expect this trend to continue and to be more? Do you expect the Orthodox community to become more Republican, or you think I I believe politics is being cyclical? Will it have a way of uh, kind of you know coming around? Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. Not sure. I, I don't know about more Republican or not. It's it's a question of like at what point did you max out because eighty three percent of Lakewood is a very high number. Um, but I, I do think that I do think the the move away from Stadlanos. There's every reason to believe that that will continue. That people as Haredim uh, see themselves as participants in American civic life more and more. They're going to be even less likely to rely on a top-down uh, endorsement and more more interested in voting their conscience. Which way their conscience goes, that, that in theory could depend on a lot of things. Okay. Shlomo Zucker of Notre Dame University, a recent uh, – uh, sorry, why you must mock, not recently. Thank you very much for joining us here on Spin Class. Read his article in Mosaic. Uh, you can catch it this month on uh, – Sorry, the end of the Orthodox voting block. Thanks for joining us here on Spin Class, and thank you for giving us a little bit of extra time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, much, Michael. That's it for this week here on Spin Class, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week.